Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and to those listening in the United States, I hope that you all had a really great Thanksgiving and you got to take a little time off and celebrate with friends and family. I know I did. I was in Pennsylvania for a nice long weekend and it was awesome. So uh, thanks to my family and friends for hanging out for the entire weekend. It was so much fun. And of course, what comes along with the holiday season is eating. And I definitely ate a lot, much more than I normally would. So this week's show is so timely. My guest this week is Monique Costello. She is a certified culinary nutrition expert, integrative holistic health coach, and a gourmet cook. After years of a debilitating breakdown of the body, chronic back pain, and unexplained symptoms, ranging from low energy, restless sleep, and weight gain to dry skin, Monique found relief in the very same element that fueled her passion, and that is food. A champion recipe developer once featured on the Food Network, Monique works as a health strategist through corporate wellness programs and one-on-one coaching. She teaches Soma Institute's health and wellness certificate program and healthy cooking classes at Kendall College, along with hosting clean food cleanse programs to help people recognize that food is medicine and it can help you heal from the inside. And you can read all about Monique's programs and her story at happyeatshealthy.com. And of course, you're on your commute. You don't have any way to write this down. Don't worry about it. When you have a chance, head on over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and you can get all of today's show notes along with all of the links to everything that Monique and I talk about in this episode. So what do we talk about? We talk about her specific health journey with persistent pain, the role of a health coach on a healthcare team, and why in some cases it may be necessary how to utilize food to reduce inflammation and heal, and of course, Monique's timely tips for eating healthy during the holidays, which are really great tips. And truth be sold, I probably should have taken a lot of those tips into consideration this past weekend, but there's always the rest of the holiday season, so I feel like I'm still okay. To all of you uh, DPT students or physical therapy assistant students listening, I want to let you know that the Combined Sections Meeting Scholarship from Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, which includes payment of your early bird registration plus a $100 gift card, it's over. Next Sunday, December 4th, I am picking the winner at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to have a chance to win because, hey, Who doesn't want free stuff, right? So if you want a chance to win, make sure that you enter before next Sunday. That's December 4th. Just enter before 8 p.m. and you will be in it to win it. And I will pick the winner. And that winner will be notified via email. So it's very, very easy. All you have to do is go online, subscribe to the podcast and give it a review and a rating and you are in. And again, all of the instructions on what to do to get the scholarship are at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under uh, scholarship, CSM scholarship 2017 or something like that. So check it out. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy today's episode with the lovely Monique Costello. Hey, Monique, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, and it's a little point of reference. So I met Monique through Sandy Hilton and Sarah Haig and Aaron Jackson. So this is a little uh, uh, Chicago connection. Um, But before we 
get into, well, let's actually, we'll talk a little bit about that. So at Entropy, they have these great courses, and you can find it at entropyphysio.com. And so how did you get involved with them, and and uh, now you're here. So go ahead. <laughs> and here I am, bam. So I got involved, uh, a friend was taking one of the courses at, at Entropy, and um, they were talking about bringing in catered food uh, for these these courses that they do, these weekend-long trainings, um, and they called me and said, you know, uh, we've been referred to you, and why don't you come talk to us? So I started catering just these lunches for their uh, seminar events and, and uh, workshops, and what they found, it was really a fascinating sort of experiment. We didn't mean for it to be an experiment, but what we found is when I brought in this healthy, clean food with lots of different options to make sure we had everyone covered, um, they saw in the afternoons that after lunch, people were much more attentive. They were they were paying more attention. They weren't quite as, as sleepy as they would be if they were bringing in the days they brought in pizza or just, you know, other food that wasn't quite as clean. Uh, so we really made a nice connection and did a lot of catering through them um, in that sense. And and uh, now we've kind of grown. Erin's been added to that mix, and I'm doing a little catering for um, the pelvic health events at night that she's doing now, too. That's awesome. And it, that's a great, great group of gals to be involved with. So that's great. They're fantastic. In fact, we all just did yoga to, together yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, Sarah let us, so it was very nice. Cool, very cool. Now, let's talk about, if you're okay with this, let's talk about kind of how you got from where you were, which was more of a corporate America, correct, yeah, to where you are now. So I know that you have, I mean, I've had a lot of people on this podcast, Aaron included, talking about their struggles with persistent pain. And I've talked a lot about my struggles with persistent pain. And I know that you, that's kind of what led you on the path to where you are now. So would you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about your journey? I would love to. And, and mine probably incorporates even uh, other issues that I had that go back years and years. And what's interesting is when I look back now, when people say, well, well tell me your story, there's so much more of my story that I understand now that I didn't even understand a year ago or, or two years ago, right? Um, you know, I, I did have ultimately a breakdown of my entire body. Um, I like to say that I was in Argentina in wine country, thank God, because I drank through it. But <laughs> when, that, when that happened, I barely got on the plane to come back home. And, and that was really oftentimes what I considered the start of my persistent pain and the start of, of really the problems and the start of when, when I changed as a person. But if we just step back a couple of years before that, a number of years before that, I had uh, run a restaurant where I was working 120 hours per week like nonstop. I lived across the street. I'd go home, I'd take like a two hour nap, I'd get back up and I would go back. And I did this for over two years. Um, but, but literally around that time, and even before that time, I remember going to doctors saying, I just don't feel right. Like I feel okay, but I feel like I should feel better. Like I feel like I should have more energy. I thought I was a pretty decent eater back then. Um, I was a big person who worked out. I saw personal trainers. I played twos volleyball on the beach. I was young, I was athletic, but I couldn't figure out why I just didn't feel great. And I and I would go to doctor after doctor, and and a lot of them would just say, you know what, I think you're you're fine. Just take this pill, um, which I never did because I just wasn't a pill person, and I couldn't even swallow pills. It's like I don't think I'm supposed to be taking pills. 
throughout the years, I had somebody at some point um, maybe try to say there was an autoimmune, like a you know a, an issue there, um, and and again try to give me a pill, and I'd be like, nope, I don't think that's it. I'm going to move on, and I just would put that out of my mind. Well. Um, fast forward through the restaurant where I really beat my body up, right? That was a lot of hours. And, and during that time, I, I was not thinking about breathing. I was not thinking about taking time for myself. And then after the restaurant, I got back into the corporate world. And again, went, went, went that whole workaholic route. I was working 80 hours a week. And and you just you sort of wear that like a badge of honor, right? Like that was what we were supposed to do. This is what we do. I, I show people that I work really hard and I don't really have much of a life. And and I did. I you know I, I probably worked too hard of a day and, and played too hard at night. Um, but again, just never really felt quite right and started really having pains and problems in the body. But I pushed it off as in well, I was working too hard or I worked out too hard last night or something like that. So I always kind of just didn't listen to my body. In fact, what's funny is at one point uh, when I was in this corporate world and I was very stressed out, I started getting styes in my eye. And one of the styes um, actually literally turned into a basal cell cancer. We had to, to cut it out of the eyelid. And even then I didn't get it. Even then I went on and just kept working my, my 80 hours. Um, and looking back, I remember having a phone call with my parents um, and and I was still on the phone when they uh, they thought I had hung up and, and they were struggling to hang up their phone. And I could hear them say, gosh, it, it just seems like every time she calls, there's something wrong with her. And that hit me really hard. I thought, that's not me. I'm not a sick person. Like, why, why would they say that? And so, you know, that's when I started to say, what's going on with me? The back was getting worse. So ultimately... And then I had this this complete breakdown of the body. And I went through months and months and months and months of back doctors and physical therapists and chiropractors and, and MRIs. And what they just determined was that pretty much everything that could be wrong with a back was wrong with mine. Spines were twisted. The pelvic was twisted. Everything was, was, was uh, configured a little bit off. No way for surgery or anything like that. They're like, you just have to let the, the body figure it out. I didn't get that in the beginning. I was like, I don't understand this. So I would go to therapy like four times a week. And at this point, I was in so much pain that I was barely getting myself to work, managing a, a team of eight or 10 or what I had at the time. I would go to some physical therapy after work, barely managing to get myself there. And I would come home and cry myself to sleep all night long. And I'd get up and do it all over again the next day. There were days I couldn't even wash my hair. Dave had to wash my hair for me because I couldn't lift my arms. Um, and this went on in this manner for about eight months. Life had ended for me. We stopped going out because I didn't know when I was going to break out into to tears randomly. Um, about eight months in, I read an article, random article that came across my desk that said something about fighting inflammation through food. And I thought, oh, I wonder what this is about. And so I, I just started to make some changes in my diet. And again, remember, I thought I was a pretty decent eater. I kind of thought I knew what I was doing because I'd been through the bodybuilding years and, and had listened to my trainers and whatnot. Um, but what I found was within the two weeks of starting to change my diet, little things started to change. I was actually starting to do tiny little exercises with the physical therapist. Whereas eight months before that, I would go in, they would try to do body manipulations and nothing else because I couldn't do anything. Um, 
so I thought, well, this is really interesting. Why has nobody talked to me about this? I have all these people I'm working with, and no one has even mentioned this to me. In fact, no one even had me on anti-inflammatory pills. So it was about a week or two after I had made that initial change, and I read uh, another article that used the words health coach. And there was just a light bulb that went off inside of me, and, and I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I could look at the words and, and, and estimate what that meant. Um, I just knew that that was what I had to do. And so uh, I went um, I got my health coaching certification. After that, I got a culinary nutrition certification. And then after that, I left my corporate job. And now um, I'm out on my own trying to help people um, heal themselves and understand there's it, it is food, but it's more than just food. Like you really do have to take control of your own self, but you can you can heal and you can feel better um, and, and you can get there. I just want to help you get there. Yeah, I find it fascinating how we as human beings will go, 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 knowing that we're not feeling well, knowing, mm. I think, on some level that you may be increasing your 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 symptoms or increasing uh, your pain, and, and you're seeing all these signs, yet choosing to ignore it. Yeah. And, I mean, I did the same thing. You know, and I can I can relate where you're like, I just want to get out of bed and go to work without breaking down. And uh, even then you're like, there's got, why, you know, I didn't think like, gosh, there's got to be something more, you know. But I think everybody kind of finds their, gets on the right path at, the, at their own time. And I think, you know, we talked about having, you know, that you got your health coach certification. And I want to talk a little bit more about that, about the health coach being that person on the team you know and and I think with everyone in their own journey it's someone on their team that might spark a an aha moment you know so your aha moment was reading this this article on wait food how come how come that's never come across to me before so let's talk about the that team approach right so if you're if you're a person and you're you're having persistent pain you may have a physician, you may have a pain psychologist, you may have a physical therapist, you may have a spouse, you may have a family member, friends, you know, some sort of support team. And, and I think you do kind of need an army to help get you through it. But what a lot of people don't ever consider is a health coach. So how does a health coach fit into that puzzle? Yeah, and I think, um, thank you for asking that. It, it, on some level, it is it is sort of new. For some people, they're just hearing these these terms health coach and, and what does that mean? And there's a lot of people using that that term loosely these days. So so from a standpoint of where I'm at with, with my health coaching and what that really means is we're here to guide you, right? We're not here to replace your doctors. We're not here to replace your physical therapists or anybody else on your team. We are a member of that team. And we're here to guide you through what what you're going through and to help you meet those health goals. Uh, for instance, for me, I look back, I didn't have, I had a lot of different members of the team who weren't talking to each other and they weren't working as one. And I didn't have that one person to say, you know, is it time for you to try something new? Is it time for you to do this? Have you Have you really sat down and journaled about that? I didn't have somebody who said, let's talk about breathing. Have you thought about breathing and meditation? You know, just somebody to think a little bit outside the box for me and to keep me accountable and to keep me honest. Um, You know, one of the things that I struggled with was uh, everybody I saw 
helped me to, to some little tiny degree, right? I, I don't think that there's anybody I look back on and say, I would never go back to that person because I think they probably do something for you at some level. But it's so exhausting being in persistent pain and, and not feeling well. I mean, it takes up so much energy out of your entire day just to get yourself up and out of bed and look halfway presentable and to move on and do your daily activities. But then to take on this enormous task of finding somebody new to go to, what new modality should I try? And I don't know if it's working anymore. Having somebody there to, to help you weed through all of that, to say, you know what, when you first started seeing this person, you saw these little tiny changes or, um, but now, you know, you, you've talked weekly the last couple of weeks that things aren't changing. Maybe it's time for you to move on. Or perhaps it's time for you to address this with the person you're seeing. You know, or perhaps it's time to try a different uh, diet approach than what we were doing. So it really is somebody to help help you weed through everything. I see it as as this person as a team, and maybe that person even and suggests a few of the people on your team talk to each other. If they're not talking to each other, do they really? Are they? Are they? It's a counterintuitive. Are they doing things that counterbalance what the other one is not doing? So I think it's looking at, and in the way I try to use it for a lot of my clients is. Um, guide you through because as much as I want to do the hard work for you, you still have to do the hard work. I mean, I've been through it and I know it's not easy, but it's having somebody on your side too that um, that isn't your family member who maybe family members go through a lot when you're dealing with persistent pain and other um, other ailments as well because they're affected as it as as much as you are just in different ways and and they have their own thoughts about what should happen and they also get tired in their own right. So it's having somebody in that outside view that can come in and help th keep things clear for you. Yeah, so it sounds like the health coach is there almost like the, uh, being sort of like the conductor of the train. You know, they may not be uh, the nuts and bolts, but yet they're the right. person who is listening to you and helping you to clarify some things for yourself because when you have persistent pain when you're in it it's hard to look out of it it's so hard to hard. so hard to look outside of it and it's so hard because especially if you're in that like you had expressed earlier that why well, can't do this because it's gonna hurt or I can't do that we're not gonna go out we're not gonna do this and so yeah. sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing that to yourself and so it takes that person like you said, not related to you, on the outside. And that's what, you know, I had a life coach when I was going through a lot of, when I was kind of breaking out of my uh, persistent pain issues. And she was that person who would say, you know, let's talk about A, B, and C because it doesn't sound like this is working for you. And I would say, no, it's working. And she's like, actually, no, it's not. So it does, I think it, it does behoove you to have someone in, and it's also someone who's on your side, they're in your corner, they're, they're advocating for you. Because a lot of times we don't do a good job at advocating for ourselves. We don't. It means something different when you come out of it and you look back. Like I said, I, I don't think I've ever really understood what it meant to take control of your own health. You know, I heard that phrase for many, many years and I went, yeah, yeah okay, I'm, I'm making my appointments, I'm doing this, but that it, it means so much more than make your appointments and, and just go to your doctor. I mean, you really have to track your numbers and, and be able to, to have that at a glance when you go see somebody new because you don't want them to retry all the things that you tried in the past. You always want to 
you know, it's always helping the client to go forward instead of look in the past. Yeah. And again, it's easy to get caught up in our old stories. I even did that for a while over the past couple of years where I got caught up in that story and it's like, no, 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 it's time to, it's time to propel forward and get out of that story. That story was where I came from and that's what made me who I am now. Um, but now it's time to write that next chapter. And we have to let ourselves, we have to let ourselves get better too. Right. And you have to want to get better and mm -hmm. you have to want to change. Wow. So I'm sure, I mean, as a physical therapist, I've certainly encountered people who this was a big stumbling block because it became so much part of their identity. Yes. So how do you get that person to see that, no, your pain isn't your identity and, and you to get them to want to change. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, first of all, if, if somebody's already seeing me, they, there is some level of something that they want to change or they wouldn't have, have seeked another individual out, right? A, a health coach out to try something new. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it is, as you mentioned, facing those fears. Um, we'll do some exercises uh, that that we really have to talk through what what it means to change. We have to look at what the future could be if you let go of who you are today or if things change for you. So it's a lot about um, foreseeing that future. There's a lot of activities we do such as journaling. Let's get out like some of those old negative emotions um, and, and exercises just around that, trying to think more positively because everything, we eat everything we breathe everything we say runs through the digestive system right and runs through our entire body and so if you're constantly thinking negative thoughts there isn't a chance for positivity to win so really it's it's taking little ways of how we think and and how we view the world and and tweaking them even though that seems like well what does that have to do with my back pain it all starts to all these little changes really play up to it because I look back at me and it wasn't just one person. It wasn't just one food. It was adding all of these things together, all of these little lifestyle changes and maintaining all those little lifestyle changes is what helps me maintain um, maintain who I am now. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a, a book out called The Protectometer by Dr. David Butler and Dr. Laura Mosley. And in there, they talk about what they describe as sims and dims. So ah. sims are safeties in me and dims are dangers in me. And every day, you actually journal about this was like a safety in me can be went out to dinner with a, with a good friend. A danger could be... I don't know, uh, in a crowded space, you know, I'm just making things up, but yeah. you get the yeah. idea. So safeties, dangers are things that maybe might increase your anxiety, increase your pain. Safeties are things that make you feel good. And so part of that book is every day kind of journaling, well, this, this happened to me today. I would put that in the safety. I would put this in the danger in me. And, and theoretically, the more safeties you have in a day, perhaps the less pain you have. So it's kind of the same the same idea. And I think that's where a health coach can really come in to help you clarify those thoughts a little bit. Um, but now here's my question about health coaching. Let's say I give good advice, I'm going to make a business card and say I'm a health coach. So <laughs> what, which we know is not kosher. So what should people look for if they're looking to find a health coach? 
Well, we always talk about certification, right? Where did they get certified? Look into that. Um, you know, there's a there or are are they certified? Are they certified? Yes, right? Where were they certified? When were they certified? And don't be afraid to ask for um, client recommendations. You know, um, there are clients who are willing to to have these calls and say, you know what, this person really did help me in, in these ways and in, in that way. So it's that classic do your due diligence. And you'd be surprised at how many people um, give out uh, when you ask for, can I, can I check on a reference, um, give out people's names without um, maybe asking that person or without knowing what that person is going to say, I've run into this. So call those references and ask them what they really think because you, you might be surprised what you hear one way or the other. We always just assume all of those references are going to be great. They're not always, right? You're going to be able to ask questions without that person listening. So look for certification um, and, and look up where that certification came from. So, you know, was it just a little one month course that was done online? Uh, mine is through the, the um, IIN, which is Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, and you can also look up my secondary um, uh, certification, which is the culinary nutrition expert certification. So because most of what I deal with is pain and food, so we deal a lot with food. So I wanted to make sure that I was um, backing up uh, my, my previous life of food with something that really was uh, centered around nutrition and helping people from that pain standpoint. Right. And so let's, that was perfect transition. So let's go into the role of food. Where does food fit in? And you could talk about your own experience and, and maybe what you've seen in working with clients, but where does food fit into pain? Food plays an enormous, enormous role in pain. Um, it's, it's funny because it's one of those things that you know, I mentioned that I used to work out with a trainer and I, I was kind of on that edge of those the, the bodybuilding years. And if you'd asked me back then, I would have said it's it's 90 percent training and 10 percent food. <laughs> and I would tell you today or maybe 75 percent training and 25 percent food. It's completely the, the opposite. The food is what what fuels our body. But if you're if you're giving yourself food that isn't properly fueling it or if you're giving your body food that we have intolerances to or allergies to, you're really causing damage. So not only are you not fueling it properly, but, but you're causing further damage, which can lead into uh, major diseases that we're, we're seeing today. One of the biggest, most important things about uh, persistent pain is really thinking about the inflammation that's in your body. You know, we think about inflammation and we, we think about it as necessarily a, a bad thing, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? If you sprain your ankle, your your ankle's gonna swell and, and the body is sending out some healing powers. It's gonna get red, it's gonna get inflamed. We know it's in a healing process. That's going to happen. We're not trying to get rid of that inflammation, right? We're trying to get rid of this silent inflammation that's in the, in the body that comes from not eating the right food, from pushing ourselves too hard, from thinking negativity. Uh, from not breathing properly, all of those things start to really cause um, and, and don't help you with the pain area. So if we can cut down inflammation through the use of food, if we can figure out what, what foods are triggering some of your pain, if we can start to go through that process, that's going to help you. And that was, for me, the, the biggest piece of it, and not the only piece, but the biggest piece of it, and most of my clients that I work with, when we start to move the needle on the food, 
you start to reduce inflammation, you start to reduce pain, you lose a few pounds, you're able to get a little more exercise in, and now it opens up us to all of these other things that are important in our lives, like maybe the breathing, like getting more exercise in, um, like getting out into the community, which is extremely important if you follow the, the Blue Zone groups at all. Uh, so there are, are so many different levels of this. It's kind of like peeling an onion. Let's get that outer layer first off. And those first couple layers might be food. There might be a layer of supplements in there. Um, and But then it's all these other things that really make us a, a well-fulfilled individual and, and able to take on life. And how do you, as a health coach, work with someone to find out what foods they can tolerate and what foods they can't tolerate. Yeah, so uh, there's a couple different things that we do, right? One, one is trial and error. Um, I love to try the elimination diet, uh, which is basically you're gonna take uh, six or seven main trigger foods out of your diet for about two weeks. And then you're going to put them back in slowly one by one and you're going to see what happens. You're going to see what happens to the body when you take them out and then you're going to track what happens when you put them back in. That is absolutely the easiest uh, method. I think it's the most foolproof proof method. The easier method is probably going to the doctor and getting a food allergy test. Um, the only reason I don't like to rely on that is it, it's it's a little bit of a variable. If you haven't been eating a certain food lately, there's a good chance it's not going to show up in your test because it's just not in your in your system. So you might be allergic to red peppers, but if you haven't eaten one in six months, it probably it may not show up. So, and I I really do believe that we have to look at the seasonality of food as well. So I don't always say that. Um, I say that you're probably not going to eat the same year round. We really need to think think about the different foods that were given to us from an Ayurvedic perspective. If you eat with the seasons, um, uh, food that grows on the earth in our region is given to us there for a reason. So you think about spring, things like sprouts um, and leeks, they're, they're uh, very detoxifying. And it is meant to detoxify us from those heavy winters and, and classically, people would put a few pounds on to get through the winters, and now the spring foods are giving you this lighter fare to detoxify. So we have to also look at seasonality when we think about um, food and and what you uh, might, might be a trigger food, because you're probably not eating the same foods in the spring as you are in the fall. And if you, if you are, we want to change that, but then, and it's not like we have to do an elimination diet every four months. But it's, it's a thought process, right? Start to become a little more intuitive with your body and you start to really notice what your body is telling you. Um, so, so gaining intuition. Oh, I noticed every time I eat that, um, every time I eat carrots, I'm sneezing. You know, maybe there's a little intolerance there. And intolerance doesn't equal a full-on allergy, right? It might mean that you need to um, stay fairly clean or away from that carrot and maybe just bring it in sometimes. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and th I think another interesting point is, you know, we talked before how, you know, you're running, running, running so much and not taking care of yourself oh. and perhaps eating on the fly. And so it sounds like a lot of this too needs, you need to slow yourself down a little bit to really find out what works best for you. So it sounds like it's a lot of 
slowing yourself down, a lot of uh, awareness, and that may mean writing down what you eat. Like a lot of uh, dietitians, they always uh, recommend keeping a food journal um, to find out, to look at exactly what you're eating every day. And with awareness, I think, can then come some sort of a solution. Because if you're not aware that there's even a problem, then how can you come up with any sort of plan or solution? It, it's true, and, and certainly food journals is almost always one of the first things I work on with, with a client in terms of just start tracking what you eat and tracking how that food makes you feel, right? That's, that's, an, easy, that's an easy road to, to go down. But you're right, to the point of slowing down, you know, when somebody's working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and they've got a family and there's kids running and there's, there's all these things, we don't stop and take time for ourselves, right? I mean, I absolutely love the idea of when you get on an airplane, what's, what's the first thing they say to you? Should anything happen and the oxygen mask drop down, secure yours first, right? Because if, if you don't secure you first, you're not going to be able to help anybody else. And that's the same idea with, with this entire health and wellness umbrella, right? You have to take time for you. And if you're rushing, if you're always eating in the car, you're not even being mindful of what you ate. So you kind of forget that you ate and then, then you're hungry an hour later. One of the other things that goes with that, though, is is when you rush through your food, you're, you don't allow your digestion system a chance to really um, digest either. I noticed that was a big piece for me is slowing down and eating my food much more mindfully and much more slowly has helped um, my chronic constipation that I had that went along with the pain that I had. So it's never just pain. There's all these other pieces that go with it. And again, taking all these little steps helped the pain, but also helped all of my other ailments as well. And one being a major issue of, of chronic constipation. Mm -hmm. But slowing down and, and, and chewing your food and chewing, not just 20 times, chewing that food 40 times. When you sit down and actually watch yourself, how fast you shovel in another bite before your first bite is even, is even done chewing, you realize how fast you were eating before. But, but taking the time to slow down and I think with the mindfulness comes the breathing too. I never even realized before that I always breathed right into my lungs. I never, I never breathed into my diaphragm, into my stomach. So learning how to breathe properly and then slowly adding in um, meditation, which also is another step back of slowing down and finding peace um, within yourself. And that one for me was a little tough because it felt a little woo woo is what I'll say, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's spiritual. I'm not that. Um, but it, it's, it's more about easing into it. So I started with breathing and then I dabbled in some meditation and now I'm really in the process of leading meditations because you find it makes you, um, approach the world a little bit differently, a little bit calmer, um, not as stressful. It gives you an opportunity to just be stronger from the inside. Right. And, and all of those, uh, the breathing, the meditation, the eating well, I mean, these, these go a long way in even chemical changes within the body, right? Yes. Um, and we know that with pain, you know, inflammatory states can certainly increase painful conditions. And so now with chronic or persistent pain, it, one of the big things is meditation. We want people to meditate. We want people to, to breathe. And so I think this all kind of fits very well into those patients with persistent pain. So if you're a healthcare worker out there and perhaps struggling with, with a patient with persistent pain, these are some things that you can incorporate and you can try, yeah. right? 
and and maybe reaching out to other people in your community, reaching out to health coaches because not only can that help your patient, but you know, from a business standpoint, it can help your business. It can, it right? can. <laughs> so and, and looking at it from that way. Yeah, and for anybody who who's really like, I don't, I don't know meditation. I don't know where to start. I don't. Google it, right? Yeah, Go yeah. to YouTube. There's so many free. Uh, there's so many free videos, and there's so many free apps out there. Find one that is just five minutes long. Find a five-minute one and just see if you can follow it for five minutes. And if you do five minutes today, do it again tomorrow. And then maybe next week go for 10 and ease yourself into it. But just, yeah. you know, every single day doing a little something and a little something. And it's it's getting into the habit of making that a long-term lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it sounds so we, we kind of talked a, a lot about different strategies. So food journaling. Um you know, chewing, taking your time, being mindful when you're eating. Um, are there any other strategies or rules that you like to work with your clients with um, for them to start eating cleaner? Yeah, you know, I, I really tend to live by the 80-20 rule. And and this works a lot for myself and, and for most of my clients. The way I like to think about this is um, trying to just force yourself to be 100% clean and 100% perfect 100% of the time is just setting ourselves up for failure, right? It's just no one's going to do it. I can't do it. Um, Too much I think pressure, it's, right? It's pressure. And it's just you're going to need those little outlets. You, you're going to want that little piece of chocolate or you're going to want that glass of wine. You're going to want to just go do something else. So live the 80-20 rule, meaning um, be as clean as you can about 80% of the time. And then give yourself that 20% to just do whatever, whatever makes you happy, whatever you want. Uh, we have to be careful with it because it's so easy to have that 20% become 25% and then 30% and then 40%, especially around the holidays. So we want to just keep an eye on it. And there's times where I ease that, I, I change it, I go a little 90-10. But 80-20 is a nice rule to hit. And it's also, you know, we can think about 80% of the food on my vegetable uh, on my plate should be sort of vegetables, things that are really nourishing my body. And maybe that little 20% is if you're eating meat, have it be your meat or a little bit of if you're having dairy, that type of thing. And maybe only eat until you're 80% full. Like so the 80-20 works on a couple of different levels. But I feel like that's a that's a one of my great strategies that um, I know really works for me. So give that a try. And you know, and we are. I'm glad you brought it up. We are knee deep in the holiday season here, right? Yeah. So let's talk about. You know, you're going to parties. You know, you've got holiday parties. You're going to visit family. You don't want. No one wants to be that person who's like, I don't eat that or. I don't eat this. I can't eat that. Make me a special plate. Make. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's hard. Like nobody wants to be that person. So, what do you recommend during these times where yes, you might be going to two or three holiday parties in a week? It's not outside yep. the realm of possibility, right? Us. Yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, somebody starts to invite me to a few parties. I, I need to go. Um, absolutely. Then there's a couple different ways I approach this. And the very first thing I'll say is I had to go through this myself where this was one of those little stories I had to let go of because I found myself going to places, to parties, out to eat with friends and being that person who was constantly like, well, I can't eat that. Well, if you guys are going to order that, that, I can't have any of that. So thanks for nothing. I had to let go of that and, and be my own advocate. 
right? Because they got sick of hearing that from me and I certainly got sick of saying it. So a couple different things. If you're out to dinner with friends, look at the menu, look at the menu ahead of time and order something immediately when you sit down, order yourself a side of green vegetables, order a big salad, look at the appetizers and pick the exact one you want, not what everybody else wants and get it to the table so you have something to snack on right away. Um, what I find 90% of the time is that all of my friends want to eat the same, want it. They were just afraid to order it, you know, so order that one healthy thing right off the bat immediately and don't worry about sharing. You can always get another, another one. Um, when I go to parties, I eat uh, something ahead of time. So I'm not starving. Uh, that's always a, a most important thing because you'll be less apt to run right over to the table. Um, bring something all the time, right? Bring a nice little tray of things that you can eat and, and, and bring it to the party so you know you have something. If you have to take a couple bites of, of, of your aunt's like casserole dish, have a spoonful of it and just move on. Don't have five, don't have six, but have one little bite. Tell her it was great and then, and then move on. Don't make a big thing about I, I can't have it. If it is something that is going to make you sick, I think that's a little bit different if you are. Of course, yeah, of yeah, course. Absolutely, you have, to, you have to know where to, to draw that line. Yeah, I mean, if you have celiac disease, yeah. obviously you're not going, yeah, yeah don't of, course. Um, of course. I also think it's important, like, where are you situating yourself in your in the room? Are you standing by the table? Is the table, is the snack always. table? Always, I'm always by the snack table. Yes, always. <laughs> Get to the other side of the room because, you know, what happens is, is um, we find that when we're holding that, that plate of food, how are you having a conversation with that, right? You'll find you're much more open when you don't have anything in your hands or maybe just your, your glass of water, your club soda, or your, your glass of wine, but stay away from the snack table and, and you'll find that you actually start to have more interesting conversations with people because you're not so busy chewing and not so busy with, with thinking about the food and I can't have this and now I ate that and I'm, now I feel bad because I'm gonna have to do five more reps tomorrow on the, right. on the treadmill machine. So it opens up a little bit. Yeah, and I think also you don't want to feel guilty. Like you don't want to feel guilty about eating because if you're at a party feeling guilty about eating, are you going to have fun and connect with people at that party? No way. Mind is going to be so wrapped up in that guilt. So so that's your twenty percent, right? Right. Amp it up in the in the day before you go and get that extra smoothie and make sure you're getting some extra salads in. Um, and you might have to up a little bit of your workout here and there, but you really do have to kind of watch it and make sure at some point you're getting some proper sleep. Make sure you're setting some time away for some sleep, a little bit of self-care, maybe an Epsom salt bath. But go have fun of the holidays. Don't make it a big deal, but try to try to think back to that 80-20 rule and see mm -hmm. if you can't have a couple of snacks or one one cookie and still feel good good about, oh, I had the cookie. Now I'm good. I'm going to walk away. Yeah, no, and I think that's great advice because a lot of times, especially with us women, we feel guilty. Oh, I ate this. And you'll be like, oh, my God, I had, I had you know, so many chips and guac. Oh, my God, I can't believe I ate all of this. And it's like... Yeah. I think you have to give yourself permission to go out and have a good time. You do. And and the other thing with that guilt is is it's a slippery slope, right? That can start the domino trail of knocking all the rest down where, well, I ate it last night and I feel guilty. I might as well just have the, the bagel and the cream cheese today. And then since I had that for breakfast, I might as well just go out and have pizza for lunch. And, well, the whole week is blown now, so I'm going to worry about this next month. You can make it to lunch. So play those little, work with yourself, right? Give yourself a little bit of a break and don't force yourself um, to, to be on the up and up for the next three weeks because we know it's the holiday season. Yeah. Give yourself little breaks, but if it takes it, 
break it down to more of an hourly basis, a, a, a day basis, you know, do what works for you, not what the public says. Yeah, great. And I think these are all great tips for everyone uh, for around the holidays, but also if you are a health practitioner and you're working with people with persistent pain, let's not forget about uh, what food can do, what meditation can do, what breathing can do. And we have to really start thinking more holistically with our patients and also building a team that makes sense for the patient. And a health coach might be a health coach, a nutritionist, a registered dietitian, I think, I think should be part of, of that team. So I have one last question for you. And I've been asking some physical therapists this question because you know I have a lot of PTs on the show, but I'll ask you this. What would you say, so you're, right now you're 2016 self, what would you say to that person who was in the, the throes of that persistent pain that my body's breaking down? What would you say to that person who was you a couple of years ago given where you are now? Ooh, good question. Yeah, really good question. Um, gosh, so many things I want to say to that. I want to say to that that girl who who just didn't know. Um, I think be true to yourself and be honest with yourself. What's really making you happy? Not not what are the labels and and what should you be. What do you want to be and where do you want to go? Yeah, well, excellent advice. And it almost gave me chills when you said that because I probably would, especially the part about being honest with yourself and, and making sure that you're happy and doing what you want to do. I think that's powerful words. Um, and if you've ever had persistent pain, I think those words will ring very, very true. So before we sign off here, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? How can they get in touch? Yeah, please do. I'm at happyeatshealthy.com, happyeatshealthy.com. I'm doing health coaching. I'm doing a bit of corporate wellness. Um, as you heard, I dabble in a little catering. Uh -huh. Actually, I'm helping a few companies create um, some new recipes um, and I teach uh, healthy cooking classes as well nice. as offer underground healthy cooking uh, underground healthy dinners um, on my uh, on my roof deck where, where I have an outdoor and garden. You're in Chicago, right? And, yeah, I'm in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. So summertime, those are all in the yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Um, I also teach some uh, wellness certification courses as well at a local university. So. I've got a nice mix of different things going on. So get in touch and let's see, you know, let's see how I can help some of your uh, clients get past that pain and, and move through and um, get them into a better place. It, it, it really changes the world for them when they yeah. can get. Absolutely. And I want to thank you so much. And for all of you guys listening, as always, you can find the links to all of this at the uh, over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com in the show notes. So if you don't have a pen, you're on the run, you're in the car, don't worry when you get to where you need to be. Log on to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and all of this information is in the show notes. Uh, so Monique, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on. This is great. 
Thank you so much. It's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. And everybody, thank you for tuning in and taking the time out of your busy week to listen to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC. And I think Karen Litzy NYC on Instagram as well. I think it's both. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. <laughs>